1: Excuse me. And today is a public holiday in Israel. Everybody is going to vote. And for those of you who think that you've missed something, that's local elections. We are voting for municipalities, not for government. Um, and that's also quite exciting because what's really interesting here is that the majority of the people that you're voting for are people who volunteer for this position. So it's people just like you and I who have a vested interest in the city that they're living in and really want to put their shoulder to the wheel and make a difference. So it's very exciting and there's a, a great festive mood around, even though the war rage is on. And unfortunately, we are personally affected by it on a daily basis, as people on both sides suffer, and we just hope that it will come to an end pretty soon. But South Africa had a big day a big day last week. Every year, once a year, the budget is read out in Parliament. It's eagerly anticipated weeks before, there are predictions, there are recommendations, there are people who sit down and try to work out what's going to happen, what is the best way to go forward, and then everything is revealed. Two weeks ago, we spoke to Philip Joubert about the upcoming um, budget. Philip is a manager at Saipa, which is a South African Center of Tax Excellence, And today is the time that we get to discuss what actually happened. Philip, welcome back to Chai fm
0: Thank you very much, Avi. Much appreciated.
1: Great. Philip, you've been in budget mode for weeks, if not months. It's now all over. It's all revealed. Tell me what you were thinking as the minister was talking and delivering the budget. What went through your mind?
0: I mean, to be honest, um, having seen some of the documents before the minister started speaking, um, I, even in seeing that, there wasn't much excitement in, in the documents. Um, looking at the budget, looking at what the minister said, it was actually a very flat budget, not as exciting as anticipated, and we didn't really anticipate much, to be honest. So it was, it, I want to say, it felt, felt like a bit of a letdown, but it's also a good, stable budget. You know, that's often the thing is that sometimes we in life
1: expect fireworks from certain events and they tend to be pretty vanilla. But when we turn around and say, hold on, that means that a lot hasn't changed. Systems are obviously in place, seem to be working. Why change a good thing? And that seems to be the way the government has gone. I've read the highlights from the National Treasury Um, I've looked at some reviews and I just get that feeling that the government's main priority is to bring its debt under control and try and get the wheels of the South African economy to start working. Have I read it correctly?
0: Yes, definitely. Um, The fact that there's been very little changes um, to the expenditure except for a bit of a refocus on um, health and safety as well as um, the education department is very uplifting. Um, but other than that, yes, uh, the government seems to want to keep their spending and the debt under control. Uh, that $1.5 billion that they would like to withdraw from the reserve fund is slightly concerning, but we do have the funds available. So let us use it to reduce our, de- our debt burden, at least.
1: Philip, let's, let's start diving into the bits and pieces. You know, as I mentioned to you the last time, I remember sitting in the car as a youngster and the budget is being read and I forget the name of the minister at the time, but the budget for military expenditure came out and it was some massive percentage of the budget. And in those days, South Africans, the average South African was up in arms. Like we're fighting a war that doesn't really belong to us. We've got a country we need to build and grow. And you have to be spending so much money on a war that is almost futile. And looking back, it was really a waste of time in so many ways. Isn't there anything in the budget now that you thought in the silver like, no, we don't need to spend more money there. We have more pressing issues?
0: Honestly, not. Like I, like I said, it was quite a, a consistent and stable budget. So obviously our social wage, which includes um, all the various grants and everything has increased as expected. Which is a good thing. We have got a lot of vulnerable people that are exceptionally reliant on this, on these grants. So it is good that the minister looked at that. Um, But on the general expenditure, there's still the feeling that the government is spending way too much on their own uh, salaries and wages.
1: Correct.
0: Uh, But also what we need to look at is, is it really a bloated wage bill or is it just because we're not getting actual value for money out of our civil servants?
1: Uh So that's that's an interesting take on that. And I suppose we won't know um, unless productivity increases.
0: Yes. So I do believe that if we actually had the civil servants, if you walk into Home Affairs or into SARs offices or um, any government department, you actually get the service that you need. I don't actually feel that we would be moaning as much about this, about the salaries and wages of government employees, even though it has gone up quite or uh, quite a lot more than what the inflation rate is. And if we're honest about it, what the average salary increases are for private citizens um, in South Africa over the last year.
1: Well, look, let's talk about the average South African. Um, the, 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 the part of the budget that everybody looks at is the tax tables. What's happening with the tax tables? I remember as a student, it was the most unsettling thing. You just started the year, and you just got used to the tax tables, and then they went and changed, which wasn't a crisis on its own, except for that the documentation you had in the textbooks was last year's tables. So you always had this little piece of paper or a little booklet floating around somewhere to give you updated tables. What happened this
0: year? Well, you can actually still look at last year's tables. Nothing okay. has changed. Absolutely nothing. Has um, anyone to you? apparently it has but many years ago so long before my time but in recent years we have seen smaller than inflationary budget creeps um, or bracket creeps the adjustment this year they kept it exactly the same so if you fell into a specific bracket the only thing that would make you change brackets now is if you earn a higher salary or lower salary for that matter but other than that, stock standard
1: which is very very interesting because again that's a major part and that's where you know a minister either gets applauded for giving people money back or um, you know having taken money away from people so to speak in order to to boost government coffers when it comes to VAT value added
0: tax were there any surprises there and um, not on the actual uh, legislation or anything there is a new proposal that has come out which might um, limit the period in which vendors can claim input tax. Uh, From what we've seen in the budget documentation is that SARS would like you to claim your input tax in the period in which you actually incurred the cost. Uh Now, currently, the VAT Act allows you uh, a five-year period from when the cost was incurred um, for you to claim your input tax. That gives you time to, if your supplier didn't put your VAT number on, for example, to get them to correct it. So you've got the relevant documents in place. Yeah. So obviously, there's a big concern on how SARS would like to administer this process, and we'll unfortunately need to wait and see, because just talking to some colleagues, you immediately see, but the SARS now want you to open returns and go and resubmit returns. That will increase audits. The um, SARS now only allow you that specific period. And what happens if you don't have the correct documents in place in that time? Do you just lose out now? So those are all considerations that. Uh, we, we are almost want to say pre-planning for, but until we see the draft legislation, we won't know. But that was it on that as well.
1: And then again, I, I see that the medical tax credits also stayed exactly as they were the year before.
0: The only change that I saw this morning, and that was just to update our annual tax guide that's published, um, is to look at the vehicle re- uh, or travel reimbursement rates. And that has gone up a little bit, at least. Uh, there's been a small adjustment to, the, to those tables. And if your employer pays you for around 84 kilometer from one March as a reimbursement allowance, then it's not subject to, to tax.
1: Okay. So there's some relief coming there. I mean, again, something that um, a lot of us who are doing tax on an annual basis, um, you know, really just became a bit of an issue was the tax medical credits, the whole system would change from time to time. Not just the rates, but the whole system of budgeting it changed. And it's just nice to see that things change stay very constant and things stay as they are. It just allows people to have continuity going on from year to year. Um, Philip, I think we might need to take a break soon. But before we go there, the I uh, saw something very interesting here on the on the tax proposals, and that's got to do with electric vehicles. What's that all about?
0: So it would appear that government is getting ready to make the Eastern Cape a hub for the manufacturing of electrical vehicles. So for all qualifying EV manufacturers, um, it, it's proposed that from the 2026-27 financial year, they will be getting a special allowance for manufacturing electrical vehicles.
1: Okay, we all know there's one provisor for using an electrical vehicle. Working S car? Yeah, a steady supply of electricity, which is a bit of a double-edged sword at the moment. Incentivizing to produce, but I'm not quite sure the public would want to spend.
0: No, definitely. Um, And not just that, even if half the vehicles are exported, do we have the stability to keep the manufacturing levels up? So once we actually see the, the legislation, the draft legislation, to see how um, Treasury wants, would like to implement this incentive, we can actually look at how practical it is. It's a good idea, but the practicality is still hanging up in the air there.
1: Great. Put up your bear, let's take a quick break. Let's run to the shops. And when we come back, the good old question of syntax has come into view. We'll discuss that when we come back in a moment.
0: This is RV on Business.
1: Welcome back to 101.9. Hi, FM. It is just 22 minutes past 12. And we are with Philip Yaber from SEPA on the on the line. And we're discussing the budget. Philip, syntax. That's the part that everybody waits for. Simply because it will either affect you one way or another. Or we just know that it's going to go up. But what I noticed is that alcohol got a bit of a rap on the knuckles but tobacco got almost doubled. How does that work?
0: Well, our syntaxes or our excise duties, specifically on tobacco products or nicotine products, because we need to include your non-combustible nicotine delivery systems or your vapes as well. Um, and alcohol, it's its an easy way for government to make money. And at the same time, government wants to disincentivize people from actually drinking too much and smoking and vaping and making use of all these products. So if we if you are a hardened smoker, you know how difficult it is to quit. So government kind of knows that they kind of stuck with you that you're going to be paying this in tax every time as you go. So it it is a very difficult balance because the idea behind it is health, it is the health benefits behind not smoking and not drinking excessively and all of that. But government still wants that money. And because the road accident fund or the fuel taxes and levies remain unchanged, I believe government looked at another low hanging fruit to pick some additional revenue from.
1: Well, talking about low hanging fruit. One thing that South Africans are very grateful for is that we don't have a tax regime like they have in America. The bottom line is that everybody would like to have an American passport in order to travel or for other benefits that it might have. But you need to be aware that American t- passport comes with long tax tentacles, and no matter where you are in the world, America wants a portion of the money that you make. I see that South Africa will implement a global minimum corporate tax on um, multinational corps. How does that
0: work? So that is all part of the OECD's uh, base, oh. Oh, base profit, er- oh, base erosion, profit shifting. Um, process. I think this forms part of the pillar three section, which is unfortunately not my speciality. International tax, especially when it deals with transfer pricing, is quite difficult. But in short, what the OECD would like is that countries that get almost abused by multinationals because of lower tax rates um, have brought in a minimum tax rate of 15%. So South Africa will just be it. This will just make sure that We our our multinationals don't abuse other other countries' tax systems for their own. Whether these uh, so they pay the least amount of tax that the minimum amount of tax is due nationally, and that every country gets their fair share. That's what it's all about in the end.
1: You know, which is very interesting because you know you just have to go into YouTube or Google it, and you'll see how those household names that we know of the wealthiest people in the world. Are people who often pay almost no tax simply because they have the ability to structure things and draw dividends instead of income, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, it's often felt as unfair. You know, people need to pay uh, tax across the board, and those who have the ability to structure things slightly differently, you know, should still be not penalized, but should still be responsible for doing their share. Um, but Philip, I'm looking now at the tax revenue chart that the uh, minister, the ministry, put out, and just to read out to people, um, I'm looking at it, and it's something that jumps out that's fascinating. Personal income tax is by by far the biggest tax producer or income earner for government at seven hundred thirty eight point seven billion rand. The next item is tax. For, uh, not tax, VAT, VAT, 476.7 billion rand, which means that the average South African is forking out the lion's share of tax revenue in this country to a figure of a close to 12 billion rand annually.
0: Have I read the chart correctly? That's correct, um, That being a end user tax, for the most part, um, which means that the guy, the person on the street is the one that actually pays the final of that amount. So, so that was your personal income tax. Yes, you're correct. So
1: the bottom line is that the, the bear family, the K family, average Joe in the street is really the backbone of government revenue in order to provide services for us. Because the next item is corporate tax. Corporate tax is $302.7 billion as opposed to that of 476 billion. So that's 174 billion rand less that government earns from corporate income tax. And to me, that's almost criminal. We should be attracting investment. We should be attracting companies to come work in South Africa, pay tax, and that would just give government the the leverage to spend um, in a way, in an area that they feel will be most effective for the average South African.
0: But corporate tax is definitely down, am I right? Definitely. And unfortunately, our biggest contributor to that is load shedding. Uh, shorter trading hours, the increased cost to keep your business open during load shedding, uh, all contributed to this lower estimate of revenue. Uh, so, it's
1: absolutely
0: sad. I mean, really shooting ourselves in the foot. Definitely. And one thing we should also remember is that corporates in bad years, like we've had now with the load shooting and everything, can carry forward a portion of their loss to set off against future taxable income, which does have a ripple effect on our corporate income tax collection. Two years might be extremely bad. From year three onwards, it's good. But you're not wiping out your your loss yet. So you'll only start really start paying tax proper tax in year five or six, for example. And then that should be increasing again. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely um, fascinating. The next thing that comes through at $141.8 is custom and excise duties. Now, for all those of you who just, you know, got nervous and thinking about walking through customs in the airport and things like that, that applies to a very, very small amount of that. You pay that indirectly every time you buy an imported good. Every time you fix your car with an imported good, any time that anything has to come into the country, there's a tax on that. So the cost of that is again, once again, borne by the end user. But importing into a country is sometimes a positive thing because it definitely generates income. And as far as that is concerned, Philip, is that something that the government is looking to increase or decrease by either? continually importing more to provide for the people or we're we looking to get more corporate tax by producing that locally
0: i think government at the moment is trying to find that balance between the two obviously locally produced uh, local produced goods uh, will carry a higher profit uh, than the higher tax revenue um, because you do not have the additional freight charges you do not have the additional cost i think what makes south africa Slightly more difficult for manufacturing is our labor market and our labor force. We are still a very labor intensive, um, manufacturing country. So at the moment, your customs duty is again, an easy way to bring money, especially if it's, um, the goods that are manufactured quite cheaply abroad. I mean, I do believe clothing is still one of the most important items at the moment. But also to remember included in that 141.8 billion in customs and excise duties is your sin taxes as well uh-huh. so the, the sin taxes do not actually contribute that much it does have a nice big impact but it's far far removed from the 738 on personal income tax so i mean if you want to look at it in the end again the person on the street is the one that bears this 141.8 billion tax charge as well
1: But should we push the average guy listening just over the edge a little bit more? Fuel levies. That fuel levies account for just under 96 billion Rand. So not only are you paying income tax on what you earn, not only are you paying VAT on what you spend, not only are you paying uh, tax on the sin, uh, far past portions of your life with, with regard to alcohol and tobacco. Every time you fill up your car, together with every time a, a vehicle delivers goods that you are going to consume, consumes ninety uh, contributes 96
0: billion rand to the fiscus. I mean, that's quite substantial. That is quite substantial. But unfortunately, if you look at the media reports on institutions like the Road Accident Fund, that's not enough to get them properly up and running again. So it, we are thankful that the minister didn't increase these levies. So they, their revenue base remained the same for it. But, and although our, us as consumers can't really bear a higher brunt, um, it is actually needed to be increased. So this, while the money might come in from a single source in that regard, maybe government should relook really at how they spend that money coming in to see if that will be more effective.
1: Yes, and I think that's one of the major criticisms, is the government really spending it well? We know the budget is only an allocation to each minister, to each department, and from there, we just hope that it's spent well. Philip, just to finish off over here, the last item, which is a little bit bigger than fuel levies, is $107.2 and it says other. Can you just give us an idea of what makes up
0: other? So... I was honest. The first time I saw that, I was also a bit worried. Where is this coming from? But it is actually government that owns property, so some um, being rented out. It is um, fines and penalties being paid. It's it's makes it's a variety of things that make up this hundred and seven billion. But the biggest contributor to that is the rental properties, rental income.
1: Okay, absolutely fa- fascinating. Philip, let's go down and let's start drilling down, maybe into into each sector, just a a little bit more. You know, the one department that's really come under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of criticism is education. Did education get more than they were allocated last year as a percentage?
0: Uh, Slightly more, but I, I don't feel necessary enough to actually make the impact that it needs. Um, Unfortunately, again, the way, the manner in which the money was spent in the past means that there is still a manner, we still need to catch up on a few things. Um, During our budget event last week, uh, one of the lecturers from uh, Wits University that was on our panel uh, discussed the, the impact of the fact that not all schools have access to the same level of materials because they do not necessarily have the technological tools to access this. And that is a big problem. So government is spending a lot of money on education. I think it's $303 billion on basic education alone. Correct. So it is a lot of money, but it's still not enough or it's not focused correctly. And we will need to continue spending more and more and more on that each year in order to get our school systems properly back up to where, it is or where it's supposed to be.
1: You know, Philip, what's fascinating is just to give the listeners an idea... The total budget for learning and culture is 40, 480.6 billion. 303 goes to basic education. 53.6 goes to NASFAS, goes to National Student Financial Aid Scheme. And then there's smaller amounts, of university transfers, skill development levies, institutions, which is something that the government a country needs so desperately. Um, so it's very, very interesting how there's so much money going to basic education, but yet we, we, we still don't have that follow-through where we bring through really um, top-notch um, education to, from, of younger students into, into the next thing. The, the next area I want to look at is something that's close to everybody's heart, and that's peace and security. Um, you know, South Africa is known as the crime capital of the world. Every time you speak to a South African who's left South Africa, this is the topic that comes up. Um, and people often ask me, how do you have family who lives there? How do you go back? Do you feel safe? And my answer, said, yes, I feel very safe. I'm away, but I feel safe. It's not lawless, it's not like you're driving down the road and there are people shooting out, uh, as, as, you know, like you might see in South America in certain countries but the budget is 244 billion the police are getting 125 billion of that law courts and prisons are getting 54 so that's 174 basically the whole uh, three quarters and then a little bit goes to defense and security of 53 billion and home affairs gets 11 billion what is the feeling is 125 billion enough for the police in order for them to do the job, or are we throwing good after bad?
0: Well, the 125 billion is quite an increase from last year. Um, during the States of the Nation address, uh, the president the president did mention an extra, about 10,000 um, additional police officers that will be deployed, will be employed recently. So it is quite a big, big jump, but is it still enough? I do not believe so. Um, we actually had a very interesting discussion about the whole concept re- regarding bribes and if a police officer is paid enough will he be incentivized to take a bribe most likely not so again if this money is spent on the correct items and the and the people's salaries and they get the proper training out of it then the 125 should be okay but the more we the more we develop the more we see everything happening around Gauteng, the Western Cape, the various crime hotspots, um, that might still not be enough. And we need to look at a higher allocation going forward as well.
1: You know, because if you take it, um, we're spending $244 billion on peace and security, but we're spending $255 billion, just another $11 billion, on economic development. Economic development has a direct ripple effect on a lower crime and yet um regulation and infrastructure is 146 billion but agriculture rural development is again a tiny part south africa went from having very vibrant dynamic economic vi- economically viable country towns to these cow towns becoming ghost towns people flocking into the city putting pressure on the city infrastructure and yet we're not looking at developing rural development which includes farming and things like that. Was, was there anything that that you picked up from that uh, from that particular item? Uh,
0: not specifically. I do believe it's more to do with the monetary policy uh, and fiscal policy currently being employed by by governments and where they want to prioritize their spending. With so many people flocking to the cities, uh, obviously they would rather get those people more comfortable than trying to uh, get people back into the rural communities. So that might be the reason for that. But unfortunately, I cannot comment too much more on that. Great.
1: Right. You know, Philippi, we're starting to run out of time. Um, and the two things I want to come back to are the contingency reserve of $5 billion, But the item I want to discuss now is the public desk service cost. For those of you who are thinking we've thrown out figures, let me just recap. Learning and culture, $480 billion. Police and security, $244 billion. Economic development 255.4 billion. When it comes to debt service, we are talking about a figure of 382.2 billion. The figure is staggering when you compare it to others. Now, before we go on a tirade about the South African government, every country in the world has foreign debt. It's just the way things work. So it goes up, it goes down. There's a margin in which you try to work, which is a healthy margin. We are way out of that margin and we've crept out of it it's significant leaps and bounds year by year. But the government has a plan to turn this around in the next two, three years. Philip, what is their plan?
0: Well, obviously, the, um, the spending is uh, governments. I don't want to call it reckless spending, but the random spending with governments has been um, Managed a little bit better, especially since the medium-term budget policy statement in September. There's been a better focus on that. So that we do not need to borrow more and increase this debt service cost unnecessarily. But we still need to repay all the loans that we that we took year, over the last how many ever years. Um, the Gauteng Freeway Improvement Project, for example, that financing. Um, just financing day-to-day operations for government because our tax revenue isn't enough to cover or wasn't enough for a while to cover our expenditure, our government expenditure, and we had to borrow money. And like you said, it's not just South Africa, but this 382 billion is almost, uh, is our third largest expense item on the income statement if you want to look at it like that. Uh, With social services being 480 billion, uh, social development, 387 billion. Next up is the debt service cost of 382 billion. So yes, that money can definitely be, be spent much better in developing the country, pumping more money into infrastructure development, all of those things. But we first need to get rid of the debt.
1: Um we we're running out of time rapidly. Um, you know, I want to get to the contingency reserve quickly, but I see general public spending well, that round off to 75 million. 75 billion, sorry. Is that the budget to repair our roads, our water systems, our electricity systems? And just keep the cities running the way they should
0: no that's so that is your public administration so that is your home affairs offices it is your huh. your actual government offices to run all of those things um it is to cover uh, the the executive and legislative organs so the presidency's uh, funding is sitting in there um the parliament's funding is sitting in there so okay. it's not directly uh, your everyday services. That's more on your community development expenditure that your that, that allocations come from.
1: Okay, I see that, thank you. Okay, so that would be other human settlements and municipal infrastructure, which is call at 48 billion. Philip, I'm gonna give you the last minute and 10 seconds to just give us a summary of the budget and how you see it going forward
0: as expected this was a quite a relatively flat budget um it is an election year you don't want to upset the apple cart too much either but not that the regardless of election year or not it's not there hasn't been really much scope for improvement yes we were hoping for a potential extension on the solar rebates we truly actually need it still and yes there was indication that they will relook at it again um, the fact that corporate taxes remained the same um, this is a budget that wants to instill. St- confidence and stability in the people now
1: we're really out of time once again thank you so much for coming back preparing us and unpacking it thank you so much and uh, we'll speak to you in the future
0: A a pleasure thanks a lot abby
1: great thank you Philip. thank you everybody for listening and we will speak to you next week